Hi, I'm Joanna. And I'm Sam. And you are listening to episode three of Disney Channel Original Newbies. Just for anyone who hasn't heard our first two episodes, what we do is we watch all of the Disney Channel original movies, and I've seen probably the majority of them, and Joanna has seen none of them before, except for, I think, High School Musical. Is yes, that right? Yes, I did see High School Musical. And so we are now up to the movie You Lucky Dog, which premiered in 1998. And can we just start by saying that there's a reason that no one has said that they're excited for us to watch this movie. Are you telling me that you did not love this movie? Um, that would be correct. I did not love this movie. And I feel like when we told people that uh, this was going to be the next movie that we watched, no one had heard of it. To be fair... I also have never heard of it, and I think it might be because it's one of the first movies that came out on Disney Channel, and also because there are, well, I guess there is one child in the entire movie. Yes, there is one child, but Brink and Halloween Town came out earlier in 1998 than this movie, I think, and a lot of people have heard of them. Absolutely. As I think we discussed at length the last few episodes that those are two of my favorite movies, actually. And I think it really just has to do with the fact that this didn't really seem like a Disney movie for some reason. I think it is because there were no kids in it. I mean, the one kid that was in it was in it for maybe a total of three minutes. But it was largely a a silly story, but still about adults. There were far more dogs in this movie than children, which is usually a bad sign for a child's movie. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I feel like having a lot of dogs is a good sign for a child's movie, but having no children is the bad sign. Yeah, maybe that's it. (laughs) So to start off, we uh, in the opening credits, there's some pictures of a child with I guess there were two kids, technically, as there were pictures of a child in the movie at one point. There were pictures of a child with his dog, and all of the articles were saying that basically this kid could read its dog's mind and had like ESP with the dog. See, seeing the opening credits and seeing all of those articles, I thought that this was going to be a movie about a kid or a teenager who could read dog's minds. 100% agree. But the only issue, the, the reason I thought that may not be the case was because I knew that Kirk Cameron was in the movie and I figured it didn't come out in, you know, the mid 80s. So he wasn't a child anymore. He does look very young, though. I think he could pass off as a teenager and people in their 30s play teenagers all the time. How old? when it op- So the next scene opens up with Kirk Cameron in his office. And he's doing a therapy session with the dog, which is totally normal. How old did you think he was when you first saw him in the movie? Or how old do you think he was supposed to be in the movie? Ooh, I feel like those are two very different answers. So answer the second one. How old did you think he was supposed to be in the movie? I think he was supposed to be in his late 20s. And in real life, he was in his late 20s. So I thought at first that he was supposed to be like 21 years old. But then I didn't realize how old he was portraying the character to be until the lawyer came into the picture. In what way? In that 
when he was flirting with her, she wasn't kind of creeped out that a child was trying to flirt with her. Yes, because she definitely looked like an adult. Way more than he did. Yes. And maybe it's just because he looks younger, so that definitely could be the case. He does look younger. I thought it was going to be like, you know, when I saw him behind that desk doing his dog therapy thing, I thought it was going to be like, oh, this teenager that we saw in the newspaper articles now has a dog therapy practice, but he's still a teenager. Right. I also thought that. Um, I also thought the fact that, like I said, no point in time are his parents involved in any of this kind of makes it seem like he's older also. But we didn't know that from the beginning. Right. I don't think they even went over. Did they say if he had parents still alive or anything? No, they never talked about the parents. So that's the Disney part. Yeah. No parents. <laughs> that's very uh, <laughs> very big Disney move right there. <laughs> it's on brand. After the opening credits, we have Kirk Cameron, who, oh, who's named Jack in the movie. He is doing a therapy session for a dog, obviously. And we know at this point pretty early on that although he could read the mind of his, of his dog when he was a child, he can no longer read the mind of any dogs. And he just lies to his clients. Well, to be fair, we don't actually know that yet. We just know that he's sleeping on the job. And that dog did show amazing restraint because he had presumably been sleeping most of the session, if not the entire session. And the dog was looking at that, I think it was meatball sub, and had not had it yet. That's fair. And maybe he did a really good job of therapy calming down the dog, which is also a theme throughout this movie, is trying to calm down dogs. Bad things happen if the dog gets excited. And then from pretty early on, the only sense of this movie I got was that he's just Dr. Doolittle. But less so. Well, he he wanted, at least at one point, he was Dr. Doolittle, and now he can't do that at all and just lies about it. But still less so, because Dr. Doolittle could hear all animals, and he could just hear his dog. Right. So a less cool version of Dr. Doolittle. Wow, that's a pretty great critique on, <laughs> on this movie. <laughs> all right, we're done here. As if Dr. Doolittle was cool in the first place. Hey, Eddie Murphy is Dr. Doolittle. 10 out of 10. That's fair. <laughs> so this first therapy session, which he charges $50 for a session. I don't think they went over how long it would be. The man who owns the dog just barges into the room, sees Jack sleeping, basically chastises him and takes his dog and they, they storm out. He also threatens him by saying, I am friends with the mayor. And I'm going to have this place shut down. Which doesn't really make him, I guess, for fraud. Like, what would he get him shut down for? Um, Yeah, I think for fraud. For pretending that he can read dogs' minds when he cannot. I, I don't think the mayor has authority to just shut down something unilaterally like that. I agree. I also don't think the mayor has the power to do that. And also, I think that's the guy's fault for going to a dog therapist. I mean, his wife seemed into it. Right, but like, you can't bring your dog to a dog therapist and then get mad when they're not really giving therapy to your dog. I mean, even for human therapists, therapy is a long-term process. You can't expect things to be better after one session. I know my therapist slept the first three sessions I went to, and I still paid them. <laughs> Did you eat their meatball sub, though? Maybe. It was worth it. <laughs> so you're really paying for the sandwich. It was a really good meatball sub. Well worth a $50 copay. Oh, yeah. 
And then with next thing we see is a man in a limo, presumably a very rich man named Mr. Windsor, I think it was. Yes. With his dog, Lucky. I guess we know somehow that they know about Kirk Cameron and they want to go to the dog therapist. And Mr. Windsor is totally into it. He tells Lucky, this guy's the real deal. And after the man and his wife storm out of Kirk Cameron's office, we have a quick conversation between Kirk Cameron and the secretary. Where the secretary says that she wants to leave because he's not paying her, which is pretty obvious because no one else is coming to the office. And they mention that he isn't booked until Thanksgiving, I think they said. Yes. Um, and she also clearly knows that he does not have his dog mind reading powers anymore. Although she does know that he did actually have them when he was younger. I thought at first that she was going to be his mother, but I don't think there's any familiar relationship between the two of them. No, and she was definitely too young to be his mother. And now that I think about it, he totally just doesn't do anything for her after kind of the premise of the movie comes out. It doesn't sound like he pays her again or keeps her around or anything. That's true. She just uh, disappears. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to send my secretary all of her back pay and maybe a little bonus for... uh, giving her a really hard time nope wow Kirk cameron is a total asshole in this movie and we have the i would say the highlight of this movie is mr windsor comes to Kirk cameron's office with his dog and asks him to do some therapy with his dog who's been down recently and we have the best cameo ever as mr windsor's driver is uncle phil i don't think that counts as a cameo because he's In the movie a lot. I would say cameo in that Uncle Phil is famous and I was very happy when he was in it. So I meant cameo in that sense. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I think he's the only character in the movie I actually liked. Maybe Mr. Windsor also, but who knows? Mr. Windsor wasn't in the movie enough to dislike him. Who knows how he made his money? So he could have been uh, stepping over the little man. Yeah, who knows at this point? Probably had some slavery shop in Thailand or something. He was an illegal dog ring dog fighting ring i lucky look did look pretty fierce so that's fair <laughs> this is when it comes up that kirk used to be able i'm just gonna call him kirk from now on i mean who cares kirk <laughs> used to be able to read his dog's mind now he can't i think since he was like 14 he hasn't been able to right so he just pretends he's able to and in this scene we hear in kirk's mind that he hears the dog barking in his mind It's interesting that the uh, internal monologue is barking. They chose to use barking instead of just someone speaking as the dog. Right. I also thought it would make more sense to do that so the audience knows what's going on. It doesn't need Kirk Cameron to translate every single time the dog talks or I guess barks. But they decided to just have barking and the audience just has to like kind of guess what's going on. Although the dog was really good at nodding and shaking his head. So that helped a lot. A lot of shaking of heads from the dog. And I don't think like you need to be able to read dogs' minds to be able to see that's a no. If I saw my dog shaking its head no, I would know that already. Or like the scene where the dog wants to go out and jumps on Kirk's lap. And then the maid is like, oh, I think the dog wants to go out. It's almost as if Kirk Cameron was worse at reading the body language of dogs than any normal person would be. So if you had to guess, how many treats do you think they gave that dog over the course of the filming of this movie? 
So I think I read that they filmed this movie over, it was like 20 to 30 days, something like that. I would say maybe over 30 days, let's say 150 treats, maybe more than that. You think more than five a day? I guess, you know, probably an average of five a day. It depends if uh, he did a lot of nodding and shaking that day. I feel like that's what what got him the treats. Do you think they showed the treat from across the room and just moved it back and forth real quickly? And that's how they got to shake its head? Ooh, maybe. Or they put that- peanut butter in the mouth to get him to talk? <laughs> that's 100% yes. Well, I guess I- it's not. It's different here because the, the dog didn't mouth talking at all. It just barked. Right, but when it was, uh, it seemed like when it was annoyed or kind of giving an attitude, it would give that little lick chomp. Yeah. Don't know what exactly to call that. No, that's called the lick chomp, yeah. Okay, all right, that's the technical term. Yeah, that's what my vet calls it. (laughs) Uh, And so going back to the scene, Kirk is very confused when he hears the dog bark, despite the fact that he actually had ESP with his dog. For, uh, I don't know, 14 years? Probably. It and seems like he had ESP longer than he has not had ESP. I think that, I think they said it ended when he turned 14. Or was it the opposite? Did it start when he was 14? Oh, no. I think it ended when he turned 14. Okay. And depending on how old he actually is. All right. It's about half his life. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Exactly. And so doesn't make any sense that he's so confused about it. Even the, the, the audience, you and I knew what was going on, and he was completely clueless for way too long. It took like 20 minutes into the movie for him to realize what was going on. Which, in using air quotes, real life, was about a day and a half in the movie. It turns out that the dog is feeling anxiety or angst, I think it was. And the dog tells Kirk that he feels this anxiety because there's three people in the home that aren't getting along with Mr. Windsor or don't like Mr. Windsor, I think it is. And it's Mr. Windsor's asshole nephews and niece. Is there a term for nephews and nieces combined instead of having to say nephew and niece, like siblings or brothers and sisters? Um, No, I don't think so. And I don't think, is there a term for aunt and uncle? I guess not, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to call them the nephews because they were acting like nephews throughout the movie. And I think that should be easier. So the dog... I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. There's a definitely a niece scene in there. <laughs> I meant nephews in the colloquial sense, in the slang term, not in the, the familiar term, if that makes sense. Nope, it doesn't. <laughs> so the dog doesn't like the nephews, all the three niece. of them. <laughs> and Kirk Cameron has no idea... What the dog's talking about because he doesn't know mr winsor's family mr winsor didn't really have a good sense of what was going on either i don't think he didn't really say who he thought was causing this this angst and they offer to pay per cameron for his services he doesn't want to take the money and he kind of kicks the dog out because he doesn't want to hear the dog talking because it freaks him out when this was happening i was like why is this a bad thing you have your powers back now you can be a legitimate dog esp therapist but that is answered very soon i agree i also didn't understand but it also yeah they they explained it a little bit into the movie why he would not want the dog to be around him or rather to uh to have his powers back 
Because I feel like if the dog were around him and he didn't have his powers back, it would be fine. Oh, yeah. It was a cute dog. So yeah. that totally makes sense. And so they leave. I think it cuts to, I want to say, one or two weeks later. And apparently the mayor did have authority to shut down his office. Either that or he just ran out of money. And there's like... Combination. Yeah, there's like moving people just taking his stuff out of the office. And then uh, Uncle Phil comes back and he's like, I've got a job for you and you are most definitely want to check this one out. And I think he says that Mr. Windsor's passed away. Yes. And that there's an unusual situation going on. Right. And he wants Kirk to meet with the attorney. But it doesn't really give much information besides that. No. And I think that's fair to let the attorney explain the strange situation. For sure. And then we cut to, there's like a will reading with the three nephews. Two nephews and a niece. (laughs) They're going over the specifics of the estate that Mr. Windsor owned, which was a total of $64 million, which is crazy money. Especially in 1998. And then we meet the lawyer there. Do you have the lawyer's name? I don't remember that. Um, I don't know. Whenever I wrote about her in my notes, I just wrote hot lawyer. I just wrote lawyer. So <laughs> who's the sexist now? Uh, that's more of an observation. She was very hot. <laughs> her name is Allison, apparently. But we'll call her the lawyer to make it easier. And she's going over what the nephews and nieces are getting as part of the estate. And the first one, Ruben, is gifted an easy chair, and that's it, which is pretty cool, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I definitely appreciate a good recliner. And he does, too. He says he likes the chair. I don't think he was upset at, in the slightest about anything that was going on in this movie. No, I think if it weren't for his brother and sister, he would have been totally fine. He was just along for the ride. He wanted an easy chair, and that's all he wanted in life. Can't blame him. <laughs> Next we have, I think it's Margaret. And she was gifted a mirror, basically because she's very vain mm-hmm. and loves looking at herself in the mirror. Oh, it was a full-length mirror, I think. Which she was not too pleased about. And the other nephew doesn't get anything. And that's Lyle, who is easily the worst a character jerk. in this movie. Oh, yes. Now, did you notice that the niece is the only one of those three that has an English accent? I did not think about that, but I think it's basically just she was just a very, very fake individual and she just put it on to seem more pompous and rich is my guess. Yeah, she was the only one with an English accent. I feel like if that were the reason, then when she was frazzled at some point, she would have dropped the accent. Oh, do you, so so you that think we she was actually English? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. I just thought that it's interesting that she's the only one with an accent. Maybe she was adopted. Who knows? (laughs) Adopted at uh, 24. At 24? What do you mean? Because she still had the accent. Oh, yeah. I guess guess being adopted (laughs) as an English person wouldn't make you uh, have the English accent for your child. That's a good point. Maybe she she lived abroad for 20 years. (laughs) No, she spent a semester abroad. (laughs) Then we have, I think, the limo driver, Uncle Phil, drives Kirk Cameron to the mansion where he sees the huge house for the first time while the nephews are coming out of the house and they, and they, they, 
they all attack him, I think. Or maybe just Margaret. They jump into the limo and kind of just attack her Cameron I without really she, knowing who he is. She starts. No, he says his name. So they know who he is. Um, <laughs> she starts it and then uh, her two brothers get in on it. And they're fighting in the limo. And Uncle Phil has to save Kirk by pulling him out of the sunroof, which major strength right there. Uncle Phil's a big guy. So I think that's the most believable part of the whole movie. Yeah, That he, using one hand, pulled a full-grown man out of a sunroof. For sure. Definitely. And, and then he locks the other three in the limo and then drives them away. Not clear where they're being driven to, but drives them away. But way to keep a clear head, Uncle Phil. He's great. I mean, rest in peace. Very sad, actually. Had some tears in my eyes when I first saw him in the movie. Did you really? A little bit, yeah. Oh. He's great. So I want to discuss this scene. Kirk Cameron meets the lawyer for the first time. And mm. he says something to her like, oh, you're the lawyer. So either that Kirk Cameron thinks that it's weird for a woman to be a lawyer, or he thinks that she's too attractive to be a lawyer. It's not very clear. Right. And she she calls him out on it. She says, uh, you seem surprised. And then he doesn't really have anything to say. Because what do you say to that? Women can't be lawyers. It's a very strange direction. And as a lawyer myself, I was deeply offended. As a hot lawyer yourself. As a hot lawyer, I was deeply offended <laughs> that Kirk Cameron would apply that lawyers cannot be very hot. You proved him wrong. <laughs> How dare he? The lawyer then tells Kirk Cameron that the $64 million of the estate was being left to Lucky the dog in a trust. Makes perfect sense to me. The dog was clearly the best living creature in the household. And that Kirk is now the trustee. Because he can read Lucky's mind. Which is funny to me because Mr. Windsor spoke with Kirk for approximately two minutes in total. If that. Two weeks prior and that's it. Yeah. And he not only made Kirk the interpreter for the dog, he redid his will. Yes. He redid his entire will to make this happen. He did that within the last two weeks. He went to a random dog psychologist, talked to him for two minutes. The dog psychologist said, no, I don't want to be any part of this. And then after that, Mr. Winters is like, you know what? I like that guy. Let me change my entire will <laughs> to, to have him in charge of it. it made no, you know, as you do. <laughs> it made no sense at all. I'm glad. I'm glad we both thought of that. <laughs> so, so now Jack or Kirk controls Jack Kirk <laughs> all the money and properties, and the dog. Well, is no, in the dog the does. Right, but but Kirk but, has to allocate the money whenever right, the dog right. wants it. And he does a pretty good job, I think, as far as uh, doing what the dog wants. Oh, absolutely. I, I think at one point in time, did he do anything irresponsible in terms of not following what the dog wants? Right. So responsible in doing what the dog wants, irresponsible in any other sense. Oh, for sure. And in this scene, I don't know why, he starts calling him the Lord as he has all this money now. At one point, he calls himself the Lord of the Flies. Did you hear that? I did. I don't think he read that book. It makes no sense. And why would he even say flies? It's just He said Lord of and just whatever other words he knew that 
floated with that. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. I see to say Lord of the Dance too, which is He did, and then he started breaking it down. Yeah, to be he didn't like release flies or something when he said Lord of the Flies. That would have been terrifying. That the <laughs> movie would have went a way different direction. So basically the premise of this movie is so he could hear the dog. The dog now controls sixty four million dollars. He has to do whatever the dog wants to do with that money. And the nieces and nephews want revenge against I guess both the dog and Kirk, and they want to get that $64 million. They're very vain. They love money. And that's really all we know about them. I mean, I don't want to seem sympathetic to them because they are all clearly jerks. But from their perspective, they were kicked out of their house and not even allowed to go back and grab their belongings. Um, So, I mean, when they are... talking to their attorney and he suggests that they all get jobs they're all aghast but i do understand where they might be a little bit upset that they are kicked out of their home but i do also want to point out that they are all adults like it looks like they're in their 40s and 50s and still living at home right they're definitely much older and shouldn't and should be working or doing something productive for society and i think that kind of hits on my biggest gripe with this movie is that what was the audience supposed to want here? Like, why should Kirk, who also did nothing to deserve $64 million in a mansion, why should we, like, want him to have the money? Why should we want the kids not, those, I guess, the nieces and nephews, not to have the money? Who are we supposed to root for in this movie? And why are we supposed to care about what happens in this movie? I'm just rooting for Lucky. Although I feel like I could have rooted for Lucky by watching YouTube videos of a dog playing with toys. Yeah, and, and Lucky, he would have been fine with $500,000 or a million dollars. Like, he doesn't need $64 million. And well, we and don't know Kirk how long Lucky's six- going to live. So he might even need less than that then. <laughs> there's, no, there's no one who really needed that money. It's not like Kirk's going to give it away or help anyone else out. He was just buying stuff for the dog. Who's just a root for in this? It doesn't matter. None of this matters at all. Maybe that's why this movie uh, didn't do too well. Like, at least in, like, Halloween Town, they were trying to save, like, the lives of humans and people in the, in Halloween Town. And this, there's no, there's no stakes. The worst thing that could happen is that Kirk Cameron doesn't get $64 million to spend on a dog. And that's it. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. And the money goes back to the rich niece and nephews who were most like until two weeks prior when the will was changed, we're going to have that money anyway. Right. Who cares? It doesn't doesn't hurt anyone. Now, if the money had gone to the secretary, I would have loved that. That would have been nice. Yes, absolutely. I've been totally for it. It would have been a much better movie if the secretary was involved, but she's gone after the first 15 minutes. So that was my biggest gripe, I think. I mean, the movie, I mean, there's a plot. It makes sense, quote unquote, in terms of like a Disney movie. It makes sense. But there's just, I mean, there's some likable characters, but it doesn't matter. No one, there's no stakes here. It doesn't matter at all. There's no so what if this movie were a thesis. And just an overview of the three, the nieces and nephews. Ruben is very stupid. They go over this numerous times in the movie. Very stupid is an understatement. Yeah. And that's his whole, that's his whole personality trait. He doesn't even seem like a bad guy, to be honest. He kind of just gets like hoodwinked into the things by his siblings. The next thing that happens in this movie is that the siblings go to a lawyer's office 
And what they have to do is somehow get Jack or Kirk to look incompetent or crazy. And by doing so, the money in the trust goes away from the dog and reverts back to them because they're the closest living relatives. And the lawyer tells them he will do it for 30% of the entire estate. Is that uh, is that a good deal for the lawyer? I would think $18 million for what seemed like one week of work seems pretty good. I don't know. How about you? Um, I would agree. And also, I mean, he doesn't know this at the time, but when the person that he wants to prove is not all there mentally, has a tendency to act like a dog in public, it seems like a pretty, pretty easy job. Right. And he and he already thought it was an easy job. He said, you know what, in a week, I'll have this all done, which again, in the legal world, this would never, ever happen. Nothing ever takes a week. It would take at least two to three years is my guess to ever get this settled. By that time, the dog would have spent all $64 million on chew toys and couches. Oh, it'd be it'd be gone in an instant. So that's really what's happening. And the siblings who are very greedy, they seemingly don't want the lawyer to get 30%. Yeah, they're like, we could do this ourselves. Yeah, so they they go their own way. Um, We have some scene with Kirk Cameron taking a bubble bath and scaring the two maids there, which is... He has a huge amount of toys. And I mean, he just moved in. So those toys were obviously there beforehand. And those are dog toys, right? I couldn't tell. Even if they were dog toys... There were so many toys in that bathtub. Yeah, it was so weird for an adult man to be just playing with that many toys in a huge bubble bath. Just, you know, just chilling. They scared the maids. Those poor women. Yeah, these maids, those two maids there who eventually just leave because they think that Kirk is so crazy, which he is. He's possessed by the devil, I believe that's what they say. (laughs) And I guess another part of the premise of the movie is that whenever... The dog he has ESP with gets too excited or too crazy, he turns into the dog and just starts acting like the dog would act. He calls it channeling. He channels the dog. But not like he has any autonomy in this. It just, the dog takes over his body. Right. And he has no choice in the matter. And it seems like to get out of it, it's either time, like the dog falls asleep and when he wakes up, uh, he's himself again. Or a good knock to the head. We also know that the siblings, their goal now, instead of trying to make Kirk look crazy, is they want to kill the dog. Which is absolutely terrible. And I think in this scene, one of the nephews mentions that he's done this before. And it's not clear what he means by that. I but thought it was it comes clear up that he, uh, he killed his uncle. It's it fun- was very clear to me. See, I thought he was saying that he killed one of the uncle's prior dogs. Oh, no, that that did not cross my mind at all. I just thought he killed the uncle. So I totally missed that part of it. And uh, I think I wrote in all capital letters, did he murder his uncle? So you weren't clear. You were still questioning it. <laughs> it, it, was, it was clear. <laughs> it was uh, a rhetorical question. The next few scenes is basically just Kirk doing a terrible job taking care of a dog. He has no idea what to do. He refuses to let the dog go outside to pee, despite the dog literally telling him that he needs to go outside to pee. Well, it's not that he's refusing. He's just, he thinks that the maids are saying it, which makes no sense. Because if one of the maids really had to go to the bathroom, she'd probably just say, can you excuse me for a moment? Not, 
I need to go outside and pee. And this also assumes that Lucky's voice sounds like the maid's voice. So I would yes. assume that Lucky would have a male voice. For, I mean, it's a who knows? It's not real, so it doesn't matter. But I thought the Lucky would have like a deeper male voice. And the two women maids would have different voices. But I think maybe he just hears the words in his head. That's not clear at all. This is not really uh, explained very well in the movie. Although maybe uh, maybe Kirk just thought that the ma- one of the maids had a masculine voice. Yeah, I guess it's possible. One of the maids was kind of burly. So I guess that's, <laughs> that is possible. Uh, he takes the dog out. The dog tells him not to look at him when he's peeing. And then we have the first time Lucky getting very excited looking for a bone. And Kirk goes crazy. So they dig up all of the bones. Kirk is on all fours, digging with his hands, face in the dirt. And they kind of do a cut to the morning where there are tons of holes and bones dug up. And my thought was, if Lucky had buried that many bones, bones the lawn would not look that good yeah the lawn looked very manicured no you would never know there was anything like underneath there so i agree with that one other thing that i thought was pretty funny was kirk cameron's voice changes so he still talks english when he's being a dog he just talks what i guess the dog would be saying and his voice changes to be like deeper and kind of raspier yeah he puts on he puts on a voice like a cartoonish voice. Do you think that's what Lucky's voice sounds like in his head? Ooh, maybe. In which case, it sounded absolutely nothing like either of the maids. <laughs> Not whatsoever. During this freak out, well, I guess they run into the house too and they start tearing things up in the house. Oh, yeah. They destroy so much furniture. And this is when the maids decide to leave. Understandable. They, I think I would have left also. They're very scared. They think Kirk's possessed by the devil. I think they call him a fruitcake at one point. Which I don't think was like a gay slur. It was just like, they think he's crazy. Maybe. I don't know. So that, Maybe. I mean, one of the maids was British. Maybe both of them. So maybe it's a, it's a British thing. Maybe, maybe it's a term that, of endearment. Who yeah, knows? Maybe that's where the niece got her accent. Oh, from the, maybe the maid taught her yeah. how to speak. That has to be the case, right? <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, Kirk and the dog ripping up the couches. And then I think it just cuts to the next morning where we see the house is a total mess and Kirk wakes up and he's back to normal and he's no longer lucky as a human. And uh, Uncle Phil comes in and he's like, what just happened? We need to talk. So they have a talk about what's going on and how Kirk can channel the dog. And of course, the first thing that Uncle Phil wants to know is, why did Lucky chew up his gloves? So the obvious answer is because Lucky likes Italian food. So I want to get into the scene to get your uh, thoughts on it. So Uncle Phil asks a question out loud in English, obviously, asking why the dog ate his gloves. Jack or Kirk doesn't repeat the question, doesn't say it in his mind or anything to the dog. And the dog answers the question, which Jack translates to say to Uncle Phil, meaning that Lucky could just understand what all humans are saying. Uh, Yeah, I guess so, because I think that happens that happens throughout the movie. Right. Later on, like the court case. Yeah. This happens. But 
it doesn't I, I thought you would need him to ask the questions to the dog but i guess the only thing that matters is basically he's just a dog translator right but i feel like at some point they made a really big deal jack can understand lucky and lucky can understand jack but apparently it's not a big deal that Lucky can understand Jack because Lucky can understand all humans because he's a very good and smart boy. Yeah, Lucky can understand everyone <laughs> and only needs Jack to translate things to other humans. That's right. the only purpose he serves. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Uncle Phil doesn't believe this is the case, thinks that Kirk is just crazy and says that he's been working there for 15 years. And he doesn't believe him, but he's going to go along with it because he gets paid. He's been there forever and he's not looking to leave. Yeah, he's got a pretty sweet gig going on. He gets to live in the house, which is nice. Yeah. And we also learn that Lucky has been depressed because I guess he feels that part responsible for his former owner dying. Right. And they have this very touching scene where Lucky watches uh mr winthrop windsor windsor yeah mr windsor having a little i'm gonna say it's hot chocolate because uh even though it looks like coffee because why would someone be drinking coffee that late at night could be anyway decaf. who knows could have been decaf um he's drinking a warm beverage and lucky comes up and he wants to go for a walk and it's so pouring outside it's pouring out so mr windsor says no okay and they go for a walk and then uh Lucky witnesses Mr. Windsor having a heart attack, and it's devastating. It's a very sad scene, because Lucky seems very traumatized by it, which he, I guess he tells Kirk that. But in the scene itself, he runs back over to Mr. Windsor, who's laying on the ground, feeling helpless because he can't really do anything about it. And unfortunately, that's how Mr. Windsor died. R.I.P. To try to cheer him up, Kirk asks Lucky, hey, what do you want to do? You have any, you can do whatever you want. And Lucky decides he wants to go to the mall. Duh. Which is exactly where all dogs love going, is the mall. Well, yeah, that just makes sense. And they do say that the pet store is at the mall. Right, but they don't go there first, of course. No, they have to buy couches. But I think the initial thought was, let's go to the pet store. And before they get to the mall, Lucky gets too excited about going to the mall and Kirk Cameron immediately turns into Lucky again. Right. But that's when he uh, he hits his head at some point when he's pretending to be a dog. And he comes out of it and he starts being human again. Right. And then while they're in the car, the nephews have a video camera and they're video recording him barking out the window, acting like a dog. They're like, you know what? We got this. This guy's crazy. Easy. Open and shut case. We're going to get all the money. And of course... The dumb nephew forgets to put a tape in the video camera. Oh, no. Which was the most obvious thing ever. And as soon as I saw him videotaping, I was like, either he's not going to be videotaping the right way. Or the lens cap is going to be on. Or Oh, that's a good one, too. The lens cap could be on. Mm -hmm. Or there's no videotape, which is exactly what happened. And that's when the niece says that she's going to take this into her own hands and she's going to use her charms on Jack to get what she wants. Spoiler alert. For anyone who hasn't watched it yet, she has zero charming ability, and she's very vain, and no one would ever like anything about her, unfortunately. Um, I have to disagree with the zero charm. You're forgetting about her British accent. That's fair. But she has no good dog ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the mall. They first go to a furniture store, 
where the dog jumps on, I think they said the most expensive sofa there. Yes, it was $5,000. Which is pretty expensive for, it didn't look that good of a sofa, to be honest. It was leather. It was really small. It could hold maybe three people. It wasn't like one of those big like sectionals. Right, right. So it's pretty expensive for a tiny sofa. They also buy up basically the whole store. Yeah, like seven to ten other couches and sofas and chairs. Um, also, the dog's not on a leash in the mall or in the furniture store. Yeah, he's not on a leash anywhere, um, really, at any time. I think in the pet um, store. They yeah, have oh, yeah, leash, he's on a leash it. at the pet store because he uh, Jack lets the little girl run away with the dog. Which is the only place where you would think that the dog would even be allowed in the mall. But, you know, I guess uh, different, different times. Types, yeah, different times. In the late 90s. <laughs> uh, they go to the furniture store. They go to, I think it was Clark's to get shoes for the dog to chew on. Mm-hmm. Um, great shoes. If you want to get any shoes, go to Clark's. I don't this, know about chewing, but for wearing, they're great. This podcast is not sponsored by Clark's. Fingers crossed. But it could be. One day. One day it will be sponsored. Then they go to the pet store, like you said. The lawyer is there with her daughter. Um, we find out that the lawyer and she's divorced from her ex-husband and that the daughter wants a dog. Oh, and while in the pet store, that's when the lawyer's like, I need a, you to, uh, to sign a few things, please. Which, I don't know, is that is that a thing? Lawyers love when their clients sign things. So that, yeah, it's 100% accurate. In pet stores? Oh my God, if I could meet all my clients in pet stores, I would totally do it. So I can't blame them, to be honest. Would you prefer to have an office in the pet store so that you could always have a puppy to play with between clients or during clients? I think I'd prefer just having an office dog than having my office in a pet store because it might smell pretty bad is the only Mm, issue. That's true. So I'll take an office dog, probably not want to work in Petco. Sam's boss, I hope you're listening. (laughs) Next, they go to the food court where Lucky and Kirk have a conniption over Chinese food. Understandable. And the dog jumps on, on like, the, the counter. counter at... And no one there reacts. They just keep doing their thing. Very, very disgusting. And they serve them food because they have a ton of Chinese food, which they bought. I don't know how Kirk bought it if he's acting like a dog. So oh, that was impressive. That's a really good question. They eat a ton of Chinese food, and, and then... They still want more food. <laughs> and not only that, they go over to another table for table scraps, they call it, and they just fight over a piece of pizza, which is on a table left unattended, I think. I don't know if the table was left unattended so much as the table occupants probably just ran away when they saw a pretty large dog and a human acting like a dog running at them. And I think the most relatable part of this scene or the scene right before it is when Kirk says that he loves trains, which is, I have to agree with him there. Trains are pretty great. I think that's the most excited you were during the entire movie. Yeah, I can't lie, that was. (laughs) But to this Chinese food scene, it was very uncomfortable to watch and went on for way too long. I genuinely felt disgusted and felt weird watching this scene. I think the part that I felt was weird was when they were fighting over the pizza, like you said, and not even that I felt weird, but it was just lucky clearly would have won that fight because yes, you know, you just would have ripped the pizza out of yeah Jack's mouth. Ugh. 
This not is, even a contest. This is now the second movie where a pizza gets ruined, I guess. Oh, yeah. Because in Brink, the same thing. Well, not obviously not the same thing. Like, Brink doesn't turn into a dog, but there's same a- Same uh, as in uh, the main character ruins a pizza. I think the pizza in this movie looked worse, though. Oh, yeah. Than the Brink pizza. It looks like a Domino's kind of pizza. I mean, don't besmirch Domino's. You know <laughs> how I feel about that. This podcast is not sponsored by Domino's. <laughs> Sorry, Kramer. <laughs> then- we finally, like we said before, the um, the niece wants to try to charm Kirk. So she's stalking at the house and she sees all these things being delivered there from the mall, presumably. And like tons of steaks, tons of chew toys, um, tons of like, I guess like Nerf balls and stuff like that. I don't know what, exactly what they were, like chew toys. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Oh, I do want to go back. There was one particular line that I wanted to point out. And uh, it's when Jack is acting like a dog in the limo on the way to the mall. And Uncle Phil, or his character's name is actually Calvin. Um, but Uncle Phil says, I'm going to need to get paid more for this gig. And I was just thinking, you need to get paid more for this acting gig. Because whatever they're paying you, it's not enough. Yeah, he had to play opposite of an actual dog and a human acting like a dog. And also for him getting paid more... I think Kirk could have just paid him more. It didn't, he could have just paid him whatever. Like, who would have known? Right. He could have just been like, Lucky wants to pay you more. Right. And I don't think Lucky would have understood what was going on. He didn't have to tell Lucky what was going on. And it seemed like Lucky liked Uncle Phil. So it didn't really make yeah, any sense. Yeah, Lucky would be totally for that. Hey, Lucky, you want to help Uncle Phil out and pay him more? Bark, bark. For all Kirk cared, it's not his money, first of all. He could just paid Uncle Phil a million dollars a year. I guess the lawyer may have had to like, pull some strings to make it seem like the dog wanted that. But besides that, it doesn't matter. I mean, I feel like they could have just taken a few pictures of Lucky and Uncle Phil having a really nice time together. And poof. There you go. Million dollar salary. Yeah. Easy. Oh, actually, it kind of made me think of during law school, we learned about a case where, I hope I get this right, there was a woman who had a ton of cats and she left all of her money in her estate, which is like a ton of money, like this kind of like $20 million to her cats. And I can't remember if it was allowed or it wasn't allowed. I think what she had to do was kind of put it into like a trust like in this where someone was in control of it and like took care of the cats. You couldn't actually just leave it to the cat. So I wonder if this movie, which is based upon that court case, we have the, what the niece, she tries to charm jack but which is mostly her talking to him in a british accent right like kind of condescendingly too at no point did she seem charming at all no but very british yes and the dog gets agitated so jack turns into a dog again and he chases her and bites off part of her dress the same dress that she wears to court and i think except for one scene the niece and nephews wear the same costume the entire time. Yeah, I think it's kind of said that they don't have any of their items. They're all in the house, it sounds like. So they don't have any clothing. They don't have any of their personal items. They don't have anywhere to live. They're living in a motel at this point. So I kind of feel bad for them in that sense that they don't get their own stuff back. Um. So yeah, they're wearing the same clothing, which is both of them are wearing suits. And then she's wearing like a kind of like fancy dress or whatever you call that a skirt. I don't know. Yes. I don't know clothes, sorry. <laughs> so they're worrying about the entire movie, except for the one scene we'll talk about later. We can talk about it now. 
Yeah, I guess that is the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, right before that, actually, they make a whole room, Uncle Phil and Kirk do, for Lucky. Um, Lucky still Mr. misses Mr. Windsor, obviously. And they fight over a sock at one point, but Jack is still himself. He's not Lucky at the yeah, time. They're, they're playing. It's not fighting over it. He's... He right. makes a joke that, like, of all, you know, thousands of dollars of toys are in this house now that a dog should love, and all he wants to do is play with a sock. Right. Only, which is just more reason that Uncle Phil should have a million dollars a year. Uh, and they're also sleeping in the bed together for the first time. Jack and the dog, that is. Right. And Not I also, else. I found it interesting that when Lucky is presumably asking Jack if he could sleep in the bed, Jack is like, I'm putting my foot down, no means no. But he did not think to say that at any point during the shopping spree when yeah. Lucky wanted to buy all of the bones. Or even just in general going to the mall. Like, you don't need to bring the dog to the mall. There's, I mean, I guess you could go to like one store or whatever. The you dog go to store. the pet store with right. the dog, but not the entire mall. You need to go to and Macy's he, and Clark's. He didn't have to buy five, at least five couches yeah. and yeah. all the shoes. I guess he doesn't care because it's not his money, so... Mm-hmm. Now the scene you were talking about, the uh, the nephews go into costume. And niece. And they want to break into the house to try to not kill the dog, but to put it to sleep and take it. Yeah, they want to like tranquilize the dog. Yeah. So, th- And this scene went on forever. Oh my god, it was too long. It was I... like 15 minutes long, this scene. It was insane. And first they break into the compound, which was really easy. They just jump the fence. And the fence is like five feet high. They're all tall enough to re- like see over the fence. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It took them like that long to get into this tiny fence. And I just think that that house or mansion, it would have more security than that. Yeah. If you have $64 million, you have like a security booth. You'd have like a huge long driveway that goes all the way up at least spring for the tall fence yeah some hounds maybe besides lucky to attack the people that come onto your property there's so many things you could do release the hounds come on smithers so they struggle to get over the fence they cut the lights in the house they cut the power so the the um security alarm isn't working anymore the phones are down and so they're wearing all black they put like shoe polish on their face the dumb nephew mistakes a dog balloon like a white dog balloon for a blow up like a plastic blow up doll yeah mistakes that for lucky so that was fun they have a by the way they have a ton of tranquilizers they have like 15 bullets oh they're called each Each. which is super overkill but they kind of needed it because they're very incompetent what they're doing and can we just say they're trying to sneak around the house um, but they end up making a lot of noise and they end up shooting each other with the tranquilizers. And the only thing that happens is one of them gets a stiff leg. Yes. But they're all fine. Like they don't pass out. Nothing happens. So really the tranquilizers weren't going to work anyway. I think the most evil nephew gets shot like three times the trank. The niece gets shot once. I don't know if the no, she dumb gets one... shot twice. Oh, right, right. At, just at the same time. In I think while she's bending down, like in her butt, mm-hmm. she gets hit by she two. She gets shot drinks. in the butt. So that's a pretty fun one. Mm-hmm. Lots of butt scenes in this movie, yeah, by the way. Yeah, and like... most not including the dog too, which is even weirder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they just shoot each other with tranks a lot. 
everyone wakes up. Jack wakes up. Lucky wakes up. Uncle Phil wakes up. They, it's madness. It's chaos and madness. And they chase them out onto like the balcony and they all jump into a pool in the backyard and then run away. Emphasis on running away after they have been shot with tranquilizers. So they're gone. They're out of the picture. Next morning, the police are there. And Jack's trying to explain to them that he knows it's the niece and nephews, but he only knows from their scent because he was. Oh, by the way, he turned into the dog during this point in time. So Kirk was also acting like the dog again. I think for like the fourth time at this point, he tries to tell the police that it was via scent. And they don't believe him because humans can't do that. Crazy, And he can't explain how it works. So they the police can't really do anything at this point, although it's obvious it was the niece and nephews. And I mean, they touched a lot of things. So really, they could just fingerprint the place. I don't think they had fingerprints back in the 90s. Oh, it's a new technology. It was like five years ago, I think. <laughs> the siblings go back to the attorney. And now he ups his price to 50% of the estate. And they're like, yes, worth it. Take it. So they're like, we'll give you $32 million to try to show that this guy's crazy. Which is actually really easy to do, but we're going to pay you to do it. Yeah. And seemingly the same day, there's a press conference on the news about how the nephews and niece with the lawyer are saying that Kirk's crazy and that there's going to be a big fight over the estate, which first of all, I feel like this wouldn't be a big story for the news. Maybe it was local news. There was like tons of newscasters there. They had a live press conference. It was very strange at the lawyer's office, mind you. It was not only the local news, but all the local high schools sending their student reporters. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense then. Um, So there's a huge news story about it. And the lawyer says that they're going to court over it. And... I think the lawyer comes to Kirk's house, now his house, and tells him what's going on. That That is Kirk's lawyer. Kirk's lawyer, yes. Right. The hot lawyer. Yeah, hot lawyer goes to Jack's house. The Jack other, slash Kirk's house. The other lawyer, not very hot. No. So we'll say ugly lawyer. Actually, no, normal lawyer and hot lawyer. <laughs> So the hot lawyer goes stereotypical over the- lawyer and hey breaking the status quo lawyer. How dare you? <laughs> the hot lawyer comes over, says she's going to defend him. She just needs to know the total truth. He's like, you know everything. I'm not going to tell you that I turn into the dog. You don't need to know that. It's not important. <laughs> not to know. That's clearly not going to come up in this trial Which, to prove that I am insane. And this is the most accurate part of the movie is clients love telling their lawyers or refusing to tell their lawyers very important things because they feel embarrassed or don't feel like disclosing things. And it always comes up a few months later and it's the worst thing ever. So be honest with your attorneys, people. This has been a PSA. And this is not legal advice, by the way. Don't construe any of this as legal advice. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> this part annoyed me as a lawyer. Seems like the, the court case is the next day. Yeah, it immediately goes to trial. Which makes no sense, because in no universe would you ever be able to get a trial going the day after you file some sort of lawsuit. It takes so much time, months and months and months and years. And just here, in this case, that doesn't really matter. It's not like a a pressing matter for society. Like, you know what? We got time. (laughs) Full day trial. You got me all day. Tomorrow. Let's do it. With no notice for either party, 
no discovery, no information being handed over, no witness list, none of that. Just straight up, let's go to trial. Um, but the thing that you're not taking into account is that the judge was very excited to interact with the dog. Yes, that's fair. So yeah, maybe the judge, the judge just pushed it out. forward. She was like, what is this case? Yep, we're doing it. Put it on my schedule. Cancel everything else. Apparently, the judge in this movie has been like a ton of TV shows and movies. And she plays a judge in so many of them. In like 10 different movies or TV shows, she's played a judge. I mean, I did make a note that says best judge ever. She's great. I thought she was great. I thought she does a great yeah. job as a judge. Totally agree with that. Uh, so then we start up. No opening statements. Nothing. First witness on the stand already. We have... Oh, in the courtroom. So... They're at their separate tables, and then Lucky has like a chaise lounge, kind of. Lucky has the best seat in the house. Just laying on this couch, which they probably bought from Macy's or every department store they went to. Except they bought it from there and had it delivered to the courtroom. Which is great. I yeah. really enjoyed it. The dog they were like, you can keep this when we're yeah. done. So first of all, just, having a, dog just having a dog in the courtroom was great. <laughs> having its own couch, perfect. Best part of this movie. Would you say that's also uh, accurate to courtroom? Oh my god, the amount of trials I've had with dogs—it's—it's it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Dog witnesses, oh, don't get me started. They come up so often. Oh, it's the worst. So we had the first witness called by the normal lawyer, <laughs> the typical lawyer, uh, stereotypical lawyer, is the first client that we see in the movie that went to Kirk's office with his dog. And he just complains that Kirk is not good. He was asleep. He doesn't actually speak with the dog, which I think would make Kirk seem more normal than anything else. Yeah. Oh, this guy is lazy and doesn't do his job. Yeah, that's fine. This guy can't even talk to dogs. That's how crazy he is. And they do make a few jokes and they're like, uh, so why was your dog going to therapy? And he goes, because he's overeating. And so just as a quick overview... Um, direct examination is when the attorney that puts you on the stand asks you questions. And then there's cross-examination where the attorney for the other side asks that same witness questions. And typically what happens is first you go with, you call your own witness, there's direct examination, you ask your witness questions, you sit down, and then the other attorney has a chance to cross-examine the witness right after they testify. That never happens in this entire movie. The only thing that happens is the also they don't show it is that they call a witness they ask some questions that's it <laughs> the witness leaves and they call their next witness without the defense ever having a chance of you know asking that witness any questions so that also annoyed me uh the second witness was the former maid i think it was the british maid is that right yes now do you think that a uh, hot lawyer didn't do any cross-examination because she was just so baffled by what these people were saying and that you know looking over at jack he was cl clearly ashamed and like yeah this is true and she's just like yeah you didn't tell me any of this so i can't i couldn't prepare well, i don't have anything to ask i think it's kind of unfair because normally before a trial which is the last step in the case basically you have a chance of like deposing witnesses and asking them questions so you know what they're going to say at trial and presumably none of that happened here at all. And they just went straight forward. She was completely caught off guard by everything. And it was just, you know. Well, she thought she was going to have time to do that. But the, the, 
the judge was super excited and moved everything forward. Mm. It's it's the so excited she, judge. She got She's a dog lover. Yeah. So we have the maid. Next we have a cop who, I don't even know, the cop's involvement was the one that came to the house, right? I think it was the mall cop. The mall cop. For when he went crazy in the mall and had to like be pulled out of the trash can. Oh, okay. That makes more sense mm-hmm. then. Um, they also at one point cut to the, there's a jury also. Um, they cut to the jury and they see the jury that was like has like notepads. And one of the jurors had a gigantic notepad. It looked like, like a sketch pad for someone that draws like cartoons and a bar mitzvah. And I was like, this is making, why are we taking notes in the largest notepad of all time? I did notice that they had notepads. I did not notice the giant notepad. It's probably because what the props room had in back. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Uncle Phil, who I think this is the first time I noticed that, the, that Lucky was in the courtroom, was when Uncle Phil was being questioned. The non-hot attorney asked him if he's ever seen Kirk act like a dog, which he obviously has like 20 times already. So he has to admit, yeah, I've seen him act like a dog, but only because he could channel what Lucky is doing when he gets excited, which the jury just starts laughing at. Understandably. I mean, that's just crazy talk. The fifth, I guess, and final witness for the nephews is and and niece fine uh is jack the lawyer asks him what lucky is thinking right now which he says the niece goes on the stand too and that's when she shows off her butt oh i forgot about the niece was that before this point um no 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 she was after jack she was after jack i'm I'm pretty sure she was after jack yeah because he asked him what the dog's thinking right now and he says that the dog wants to eat your shoes and then I think is when the niece goes up. And so what does the niece do then? She shows off her butt. Well, first she cries because she's horrified that Jack went after her and attacked her with his teeth. And he ripped her skirt. And then she shows that off to the jury. And they are appalled that this British woman, seemingly British woman, has had her dress, which she has worn for the last week or so, and wore to this court case. Yes. This was ripped off. I, I don't think they were appalled. I think they were kind of entertained. They were amused. Yeah, that's fair. But they all think that they don't think highly of Kirk. And they feel sympathy for the nephews. Right. And then I guess it's kind of like an intermission in the case where the hot lawyer meets with Kirk. And she's like, it's all over. I'm going to just forfeit the case. It's not even worth going forward. I'm not going to call you. We're done, and it, it's just a waste of time, and I'm going to move to another town because of how embarrassing this case is. Mm-hmm. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then he's like, wait, I have a great idea. Let's put Lucky on the stand. So at this point, before we get into what happens when Lucky goes in the stand, did you think what they could do to make it seem like he could actually hear what the dog is saying? I knew that they were going to have to prove it. So put him through some sort of test other than what's the dog thinking right now. But I hadn't thought beyond that. So from this scene where uh, Lucky says, quote unquote, that he ate the gloves because they're Italian. All I wanted to do was have Uncle Phil bring the dog into one room, show the dog something, and then have Kirk tell him what the dog is seeing. 
I was like, yeah, just do that. And then everyone will understand what you're doing. There's no way you can know. It's just so simple. And then I was getting very frustrated until they pull out this trick at the trial. You actually said, I was I was thinking they were going to do that or something like that. Yeah, I didn't want to spoil it for you. Oh, thank you. This might mean never seeing this movie before. I don't want to spoil what I thought they should do. But I was very excited when they did it. So what they do is basically have... He pulls out a pen. Right. Right. So they yeah. have the the not hot lawyer show the dog an item while oh by the way, Kirk is channeling Lucky at this point because they made a whole thing. It doesn't really matter. He's he's lucky right now. Kirk is looking at the jury and Lucky is looking at the not hot lawyer who's hiding who's holding up items and Kirk can't see the items. So he holds up a pen first. Kirk says, Oh, it's like a pen from a stolen from like a hotel or something like that. What was the next thing they hold up? I don't remember. They hold up something else. And then he, again, was like, oh, it's blah, 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 blah. So he's able to see it. And everyone now knows that he could actually see and translate what Lucky is seeing. So now everyone believes that Kirk does have dog ESP and can uh, faithfully do Lucky's bidding and buy all the treats. But he also gives a rather touching speech as lucky yes and is like we should be living life to the fullest we you never know when you can get hit by a bus which was very sad you know enjoy the treats in life things like that and i feel like that was the disney movie moment agreed um there wasn't really any build up to it like no lessons learned or anything they the disney movie uh stamp of approval right there yes yeah they had to have something to preach to the children that did not watch this movie right and he also calls the nephews pinheads during the speech and niece <laughs> i think it was mainly about the nephews though. Yeah, probably mostly nephews and then at this point Lucky looks at the oldest nephew. I think he's the oldest. Yeah, he seems the oldest. Yeah, the worst one. And he... He watches him put like Alka-Seltzer in a cup or something. Right. In a glass of water. A PTSD flashback Mm -hmm. of the night that Mr. Windsor died. And now that Lucky is being channeled by Kirk, Kirk could see that he didn't just die of a heart attack. He was poisoned. By the nephew. And the bottle that the nephew uses, luckily, very clearly says poison on it. Which, I mean, I try to be more conspicuous. My poison bottles all say Alka-Seltzer on them. Oh, see, I would have just put not poison on it. Oh, that's much smarter. Yeah. So if it's poison, it says poison. If it's not poison, it says not poison. It's pretty straightforward. Ma, Ma, can you get my bottles of poison? Is this poison? No. Oh, no, this one's not poison. Not poison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, yeah. you. Appreciate it. Just write not in the front of it. Appreciate yeah. Appreciate it. So that at this point, Kirk basically calls him a murderer, and everyone takes him at his word because he can channel the dog. The nephew goes crazy. And he pulls a gun out of his waistband. So they were in a courthouse, presumably, in a courtroom, where I guess this is pre-9-11, so maybe there wasn't security and like metal detectors but on a courthouse i would assume that there were like all of them now have metal detectors i feel like they would they would probably still have them in yeah. 98 i would think so too i don't know i don't have personal experience i don't remember it was yeah in, in 98 nine my nine-year-old old. self was not going to court so i don't remember but yeah crazy that he had a gun 
and he looks like he's going to also like what is he going to do with the gun just leave the courthouse maybe try to shoot lucky i guess he's the witness i don't know he wants to kill the witness i don't really know <laughs> after to do everyone that after the witness is already uh i guess he could kill lucky or kirk it doesn't really matter at this point the, yeah uh <laughs> so he tries to get out and lucky the superhero leaps and like i guess tries to jump at is it Lyle? Is the yeah? He's the old one. Yeah, he jumps the, at the Lyle. bad one. Right. I mean, they're all bad, but yeah, the worst one. Lyle shoots a bullet, and you don't know what happened. And the cops, I guess, the gun gets knocked out of his hand. The cops detain Lyle and the other nephews and niece, and pull them out of the courtroom. And then everyone is very concerned about Lucky, who is lying motionless on the ground, and there's you know, the main actors up front. And then like also squeezed in is this one random person who is definitely like, I'm going to get on screen. This is my moment. I'm going to make my face shine and show how concerned I am for this dog. This is my moment as an extra. Good for them. Yeah. I hope they got paid well for that. They definitely needed more for this gig. Did you think there was any chance that Lucky was dead at this point. No, 0% chance. Could you imagine if a Disney Channel original movie just had the dog protagonist die at the very end of the movie? No, I can't imagine that happening. This is not Homeward Bound, Sam. It was so insane. I've never seen Homeward Bound, so thanks for ruining it. Lucky pops up, and I guess Jack is still channeling Lucky at this point, or vice versa, whatever it is. And they see that Lucky was just had his ear grazed by the bullet. Yeah. And then the hot attorney touches the ear and Jack is like, ow. And everyone laughs. Everyone thinks this is the funniest thing they've heard in their entire lives. There's a man channeling a dog who was just shot by a crazy person. Now saying ow because he felt that his ear was hurt. I remember what the other thing a stereotypical attorney showed Lucky. It was a chocolate bar. Oh, right. And he's like, Yeah, I love chocolate. And I'm like, Lucky, if you eat that, you'll die. You would have died. Do you think if Kirk ate the chocolate while channeling Lucky, he would have gotten sick? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking, what if Kirk ate the chocolate while channeling Lucky and then Lucky was able to taste chocolate without the deadly consequences? Oh, do you think that Lucky feels what Kirk feels when he's channeling him? I don't know. Okay, I guess we'll find out in You Lucky Dog too. Oh, God. <laughs> so everyone laughs, and we then cut to the mansion, maybe in a few days after that. I don't, it's not really clear. And the hot lawyer is there with her daughter, and it turns out that Jack bought the daughter a dog without first asking the hot lawyer, who now has to take care of the dog. Oh, well, he said that the dog is going to stay there. Right, I guess like, he's in just the mansion. Yeah. So it's it's more like this is your your dog, but I'm going to take care of it and do everything that needs to be done, but we'll just say that it's your dog. Yeah, and, that, and there's now, what, 20 dogs in the backyard? Yeah. yeah, I actually didn't have a problem with him buying the dog and kind of giving it to her in that sense because okay. he was the one who was going to take care of the dog. Yeah, that's fair. Is this a we bought a zoo situation with the amount of dogs they have? They're basically running a kennel out of their backyard. 
Oh, yeah. They are back to the illegal dog fights. And it's like a carnival at this point, too. Oh, yeah, because like Lucky, and stuff. Lucky has purchased everything. Lucky's in charge of the money. So I, apparently dogs like popcorn. Who knew? Dogs like everything. And uh, it's not really clear if Kirk and the hot lawyer have a thing going on at this point. They're kind of like flirting with each other. But it's not clear if there's something going to happen in the future between them. They're going to move slower than the trial. Is what's going to happen. Hopefully. They'd be married in three (laughs) days if that was the case. And yeah, there's a carnival in the backyard. There's tons of dogs. And and that's it. That's how we we leave off at the dog carnival. (laughs) So, uh, Joanna, did you like this movie? Um, I'm just going to say no. No, this movie did not do it for me. Like I said, I would have rather spent an hour and a half watching dog videos on youtube that's a pretty high bar to meet though that's true dog videos can be quite adorable i also did not really care for this movie like what i said before there's no really stakes to really care about what happens in this movie i mean the plot was fine there's some funny scenes um some scenes went on for way too long like the chinese food scene the when they break into the house scene the court case i guess was was fine like whatever i don't really care if it's like actually lines up with how court cases actually act but um outside of uncle phil being in this movie didn't really care for it at all i feel like disney just lost track of its audience i mean kids don't want to watch a movie about grown-ups yeah like no kid cares about estate fights and court cases and stuff like that unless it was like kids running or like a kid as a lawyer and shit like that like no one's gonna care right i mean if the main character of jack were a kid or a teenager that would have been i think that would have been better right i agree with that or if it was like kid court or dog court that would have worked too oh dog court if the judge was a dog that would have worked really well okay so everything is swapped all of the humans are dogs and all the dogs are humans and one dog can understand what a human's saying yes then yes and the and the human <laughs> and they all have couches in the courthouse except for the human has like a shitty chair <laughs> and the dog starts acting human when it channels the human yeah no I, mean, I would i would work i've done much better than than this movie i would watch that so some of the the cast we talked about Kirk Cameron at length here obviously from Growing Pains who you didn't really know no I never watched Growing Pains which is wild because he's very famous I would say I found out today that his sister is DJ Tanner from Full House and he was also on Full House at some point yeah I think it was like a minor role I'm assuming because his sister was on it which helps out also the hot wife is Kirk Cameron's actual wife in real life a hot attorney Sam what did I say? Hot wife. <laughs> I got ahead of myself there. The hot attorney is uh, it's his wife. You were just thinking about yourself. <laughs> Lyle in the movie plays a fairly big role, I guess, in Breaking Bad. Bernice, who I'm not really sure who she is in the movie. Do is you she know? the niece? Oh, is she the niece? I guess it's possible. She voiced Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory and Chucky from the Rugrats, which makes sense That's if she's a child then. Awesome. Um, I'm finding that a lot of actors in these, uh, the original Disney Channel original movies 
go on to be voice actors and yeah, actresses. A ton of voice acting. Did you recognize any of the actors in this movie besides Uncle Phil? No. Okay. And then Ruben, who is the dumb nephew, he was in a few movies, including Angels in the Outfield and The Last Boy Scout. Have you seen The Last Boy Scout? Nope. It has the craziest opening to a movie I've ever seen. It involves a football game. I won't spoil it, but watch the opening scene. It's on YouTube. I've watched it plenty of times. The most insane Star 2 movie of all time. This podcast is not sponsored by The Last Boy Scout. Come on. Um, and Obviously, James Avery's in the movie. He's the driver, Uncle Phil. And then the judge, who I said was a judge in a ton of other things. She was also in 500 Days of Summer, which is one of my favorite movies. Who was she in that? I think she worked at the the card making place oh but I'm not, like, positive. not at not hallmark yeah fake hallmark yeah. she works there okay other than that not much interesting about this movie one of my favorite parts here is that during the sixth day of filming 50 crew members halted production as a protest which got resolved in two hours what were they protesting i think pay Something about that. Not everyone was part of the union. So I think that's what the deal was. Um, I wasn't there, unfortunately. That's my nine-year-old self would have resolved the situation in one hour instead of two hours. But that's really the only thing else I could find out this movie. So hopefully uh, the next movie we have coming up is much better. What is the next movie we have coming up? So our next movie is... Well, we have two choices here. I'll let you pick. Because we have one older one from 97, which we haven't watched yet, because it wasn't on Disney Plus where the rest of the movies are. But it is on YouTube, by the way. So it's either Under Wraps or Xenon Girl the 21st Century. I have heard a lot about Xenon, but I also feel like we need to do what we're setting out to do and watch all of the movies. So that means we have to go back to Under Wraps. All right. So unfortunately, we start with Under Wraps. As a fun fact for you, Joanna, about Xenon, it's actually the cover of our podcast what? is a scene from Xenon. So hopefully you know that movie. <laughs> so the next one we'll do is Under Wraps, which came out in 97. I don't recall ever seeing that movie, so I guess we'll see how it goes. Obviously, you haven't seen it. It'll be another new experience for both of us. Yes. And then we'll go back to uh, your familiar tel- territory. Oh, love it. Yeah, so that's where we're at right now. And anything else you want to add about the movie? God, no. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing else I want to add. All right, we'll leave it there. And we will uh, We'll see you next week with our next uh, movie review of Under Wraps. I hope you enjoy. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Woof. Nice. At one point during this podcast, Joanna and I were talking about fun things about, like, leaving estates to dogs and things like that and joanna heard of a story where a cat was on a board of directors for a library and after the podcast was over we looked it up to see if it was true which we couldn't really validate so it could be true we just don't know for sure so we decided to just add it in at the end of the podcast and uh hopefully the listeners that made it this far will enjoy so hope you enjoy so there's a library that had a cat as a member of its board of trustees. Really? Yes. Where was this? I want to say it was somewhere on Long Island. Oh my god! But I would—I have to double check that. 
Um, but there was a cat as a member of the library board. Um, the cat, like, I don't know how they would count its votes, whether it was yay or nay. But then it was the, meow or now. Actually. Uh, okay. Yes. Meow or now. Um, but the cat died. Um, and normally what happens on any board is if a member dies, you elect a new board member or a new board member is appointed. Um, but in this case, they just hired a cat median to interpret the cat's thoughts from beyond the grave. This is a real story. Yes. This isn't like an onion story. No, this is a real. So they just had this medium tell them what the cat still wanted to vote on certain things after the fact. Yes. <laughs> Why don't they just do that for the humans that die on the board to have a medium say, oh, nope. Poor old Steve wanted uh, four more Catcher in the Rye novels for next week. Um, it didn't last very long because uh, some people found out. That is so funny. <laughs> oh, man. We should try to get the medium on uh, on the podcast. We'll see if we can get in touch with her. Deal. 